0: Realizing from his his antagonist's demeanor that he was to be attacked, he wasted no time and punched him in the face.
1: And they're just heading straight for the margins now. And they, everyone's everyone's thinking, yeah. "Oh shit, what we're we gonna do?" And I love this. This sort of there's just this massive whoosh of spray um, as they. St- As this ironclad just goes charging past it to us. It's just amazing. Her
0: Her Majesty's steamship. Ah, fuck it. I just love it. It's brilliant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt.
0: I'm Dave. Hello.
1: And this is The War of the Worlds Part 3 of our read-through of it. Bit of a short part this time. Just the three chapters to look through, but oh, they're three big ones. But but crammed
0: with sizzling gypsies. I mean, crammed <laughs> with excitement and event.
1: Yeah, crammed with sizzling water. Um, a. Oh, yeah. I see.
0: I knew that. I can reach back, right back into the past, and pull out a fairly tepid reference, and you'll turn it into gold. That's Matt. That's the strength of this
1: podcast, right there. If you'd like to add your own gold to the Shark Liver Oil experience, Shark Liver podcast at gmail dot com is the email address, or um, you can get us on Twitter at Shark Liver Oil as ever. At the end of this, once we finish the book, we're going to be reading out uh, your reviews, um, so do send those in, uh, preferably with a star rating, because we often sort of um, sprinkle them amongst some of the the best from the internet too. We we'll find some. Uh, We often like the five Sorrow One stars, um, but yeah, we would be interested to hear your thoughts. So, we are picking up where we left off, and this is a chapter staying resolutely provincial. (laughs) Chapter 15, what happened in Surrey, Dave? What did happen (laughs) in Surrey?
0: I am beginning to think, Matt, that the original working title of this book was not The War of the Worlds, but The War of Mars with the sort of east-western little kind of southern bit of London. The, the <laughs> War of the World and the Stock
1: Breaker belt. That's what it is. Yeah. So what what we had last time, we heard uh, sort of... The last chapter we read was in mm. London where basically uh, this narrator's brother heard that the Martians had broken through the sort of cordon of uh, gun emplacements and were now attacking London and he had to had to flee. Mm. So now we get the sort of perspective... Um, a bit more of an information of what actually happened in that um, in that gun cordon, and so you had just loads and loads of gun batteries set up pointing towards the the three Martian sites and then these um these tripods come over the hill um, there 's a brief sort of exchange where one of the batteries um shoots basically shoots one of the tripod 's legs off and yeah. it sort of crashes to the ground and then, like the Martians all stop and the guy sort of the Martian repairs his, his thing. <clears throat> I, assume, yeah. I assume under continuous gunfire, although it's not particularly well, clear how it's written, it, it seems I, like they just stop. Yeah,
0: a number of points through this where I sort of felt like HG Wells was trying to fast forward to the bit he really wanted to write, which I, is the next bit, Earth Under the Martians, because there are a few, let's call them questionable tactical decisions and the first of them is definitely the fact that somebody actually manages to wing the bastard and then just sort of <laughs> stops and goes, well, jolly good, everybody. I, I assume that he'll now retire home, filled with his own sense of shame and certainly will not continue to fight. And, <laughs> you know, as if they're sort of playing, you know, playing a, a scratch game at the Maryland Cricket Club. And yeah. it's, it's weird, isn't it, that he just doesn't, that nobody sort of finishes him off.
1: Yeah, do you reckon that's what it was? The the as, as we've scene from how they talk, the sort of the the working class gunners on it like all cheer and go, Right, he's on the ground, let's finish him off. And uh, the officers are, No, 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 now you wait <laughs> to see if he gets up. It's uh, it's just not British to finish it's, him off on the ground. The Marquis of
0: Queensbury rules Billings, as you would well know if you were any sort of a gentleman at all, apply just as much to visitors from another world as they do to foreign johnnies now everybody wait
1: but he's not even a man sir that's what it's all about (laughs) (laughs) what it's all
0: about billings as you would know is a fair fight. Now, Marquis of Pringsbury rules. Here we go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that maybe that's what happened. For whatever reason, it's got time to repair itself. Um, Did you notice that when it's repairing itself, like the other three,
0: because there's a line of four of them, right? And one of yeah. them gets sort of its leg shot off. And they're all like yeah. like a mile and a half apart or something. You know, it's this big, like, you know, kind of countryside spanning drama of these... These things. Um yeah. and then they stop, and the three that aren't on the ground get together and basically do the sort of mechanics standing around your car looking at it, trying to work out <laughs> which is gonna charge you, so <laughs> sucking it air ends. in through their teeth. <laughs> <Yeah. Ooh. sighs> it's wrong in that, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely it's a bad situation. It's a good job they're not shooting at us. Yeah, certainly is. My word. Anyway, let's continue to discuss this at length in our extremely exposed <laughs> position.
1: <laughs> I reckon it was just all taking the piss, like, oh Frank, it's always you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah straight into the straight into the line of fire, you dozy wanker. Like, get it, get it fixed. It's going to cost us an extra half, an hour. I wanted to be finished by Coronation Street because it's quite good. I've been tuning in. It's not going to happen now, is it? <laughs> I <have> no idea. <laughs>
0: The chances of anything coming from Mars and not having Frank make a silly fucking mistake
1: in the first two days are zero. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I think I think they may have done the uh, the gunners a bit of a disservice here. I think what happens is, from my second note, which I hadn't read, is they, um, they knock the shoot, shoot off a leg, but then the... Um, that the heat ray basically deals with that gun emplacement, so they get obliterated, and then the Martians don't move forward until they've um, until they've repaired this one. But yeah, at the same time, why don't why don't they attack? I suppose again, it's this this weird sort of sudden um, change in how battles done. I suppose where suddenly the um, the strengths in defence. Although they, you know, we didn't appear to have learned that lesson in the First World War, so I'm not quite sure why they decided to employ the tactic here. Um Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the uh the Martians repair this and then they don't attack any others in the same way. They use this they fire off this effectively sort of chemical warfare. They fire off this black smoke which is really sort of heavy and um sort of just yeah, it's it's basically yeah, it's basically poison gas. We we sort of we talked about this briefly last time, didn't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think. This 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 sort of chemical warfare is I mean, I I think it's really well really well sort of realised as an idea, like the way that it's spoken about and so on in the plot is quite tense. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it is a little bit... I'm not sure you get away with this in Hollywood these days, where you've got these sort of... These things turn up, and we basically have two minor moments of victory, and otherwise the entire mm. first act is just us getting kicked around the place. Like... Mm. So, like a Hollywood producer would be like, no, 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 no. I need somebody to do something heroic but self-sacrificing, you know, mm. um, uh, because this is not how a hero is supposed to act. Um, yeah. And I, I really like that. I like that we've got a hero that sort of hides under hedges and you know yells at vickers but runs away from people who are bigger than him, <laughs> you know, and and leaves leaves uh, uh, landlords to die and and stuff. Like it just it feels more. Sadly, I think it feels more realistic
1: yeah yeah so so the way this sort of black smoke works it sort of just sort of it, the canister explodes it it sort of appears and then just sort of sits there so the wind as we said last time you you, you know it, when this actually happened in real life in the future where they use poison gas the problem they had with it was whenever a slight bit of wind got up it just dispersed it and moved it around and you couldn't control it and he yeah. actually hg Wells sort of takes that point and says you know that this stuff is so so unusual and heavy just doesn't move um until the martians come over with steam and sort of disperse it with this special sort of chemical they've got um and that also means that some people who are who end up in in the middle of this stuff survive because they're like if they're up in a steeple or on higher ground the smoke sort of sits so you can actually yeah you can actually get away from it um yeah now, it, it, it's interesting that you say yeah, that, that it's, it might not have stood up in Hollywood these days, but for slightly different reasons. But um, yeah. it's interesting on the soundtrack, which obviously we'll talk about in more detail at the end of this um, series, uh, This the black smoke really isn't mentioned that much. It gets a passing mention, I think, at some point. But it's not really seen as a serious weapon. It's the heat ray that basically takes out the army. Whereas yeah. here, it's very much this smoke, isn't it? It looks like it's it's kind of going to be quite a close fight when it's the heat ray against the guns because we've seen the guns are quite effective. But, yeah. yeah, it's this smoke that is just they just don't know how to deal with. And there's, at the yeah. very end of this chapter, there's a really, um, I thought it was a very haunting description where he's talking about, um, you know, imagining how there were these rows and rows of expectant gunners all ready to, to sort of for war, for for battle and then this black smoke just appears, and then there's just panic, and then everybody's dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and this sort of fast-forwarding through the, the inevitable defeat of everybody, you know, as far as the eye can see, I think was quite... On the one hand, he uses the tension really, really well, because it's... You know he just, You know the the first time the smoke goes out, he's always got this ground eye, ground level eye, where you know for a little while they look like hills because they're just kind of mushrooming a little bit and then settling down into all the, you know everywhere where people live and stuff like that, and that's really dramatic. But mm. I mean, again, in an action film, this sequence would take forty five minutes. In a Michael Bay action film, it'd take an hour and a half. You know, mm. <laughs> like it w- it would be you know the attack on Pearl Harbor from Pearl Harbor, but longer yeah um and god willing with less josh Hartnett in it but it's like it's it's really interesting the way he he wants to get to something else he wants to describe this but he palpably wants to get something else and i thought that was really interesting
1: mm, yeah uh so, then we meet, so we, there's something else that we get on is the the next chapter the exodus from london so we go back to london now with his brother and we get um a breakdown of sort of what happens from from there once the sort of the cordon's broken and the, the Martians are yeah. invading the city. Yeah. Um, and so it describes this sort of social breakdown. There's, what I quite like about yeah. this chapter is he gets into this idea of how suddenly the fellow survivors become almost as dangerous as the Martians because yeah. once society breaks down. Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's an interesting one for me because I'm... So I'll tell you what this made me think of. Was um zombie films like this scene here is a scene that's reminiscent of you know a zombie, a zombie kind of outbreak like World War Z or whatever, um, you know, the breakdown of society and all of this sort of thing. And so, it, it, I found it really weird in this like late 19th century English setting, and I was trying to work out why, and I think it's because. I'm used to thinking of, and I think zombie fiction really kind of exists out of this sort of cold war post-World War Two, you know, nuclear universe thing where everybody's facing the fact of their own, like their own, like socially their own, like fallenness and mortality and so on. And, and you know, in every zombie piece of zombie fiction, there is, you know, you, what you want to have is a shotgun and a place where nobody can find you. Cause even the living can't be trusted. Right. And yeah. that's, that's, you know, the premise behind The Walking Dead for a start. And, um, uh, like, and I'm really surprised to find this in a pre-World War Two pre-kind of apocalyptic mindset thing. Because I mm. feel like that, to me, until I read this, that mindset, and whenever I see zombie fiction, that totally comes from this, like, you can't trust the world around you, the world around you is going to crumble, which is totally like a modern thing. And... H.G. Mm. Wells just plugs right into the middle of what panic would look like on a national scale. Yeah. Um, that I found really interesting as a little little sort of reflection.
1: Yeah, and I, and I like this because it's it's the same story, as you say, as it's like your classic zombie film, but um, you really feel... The, the, the difference in the sort of time period but period when it's set as well so you don't have the crush of cars trying to get on the motorway which yeah. is the sort of classic scene you have a massive crush at the train station as everyone's desperate to get on a train because so that's the quickest way to get out and then later yeah. on a massive crush on the roads but it's just a massive movement of people walking mostly it's almost yeah. like zombies but without them being zombies yeah um, yeah absolutely so, um this, this brother at first tries to get on a on a train, um and he can't do that. He actually sees one train, I think, driven through a crowd of people which uh um, yeah. which, another... which is showed sure the panic. Yeah, well and another bit
0: where I was like, Man, video nasties, you got nothing. Imagine showing that in a if you made this film these days yeah. and when Steven Spielberg made this film, um I'm sure he didn't put this scene in it where a a train is driven through a crowd of people. But it's an incredibly powerful image because you you can just imagine it, can't you? It just sort of happens in the back of the shot, you know, like, Mm. you know, some conversations going on and then a a train just plows through a crowd of people. And it's Mm. sobering. Um, But I, I had a question for you on this. Like, do you buy the, like tissue paper in a heavy rainstorm like uh resilience of great britain in general and the british military in particular in the in in this in this like in these few chapters because he sort of does away with them in about two sentences he's like kind of oh there was a uh, the, the boats were no help because everybody mutinied and uh and the the army was shite because they were all in the wrong place and we lost you know and <laughs> It's because he wants to get there. But did you buy that? Cause it felt really weird
1: to me. I kind of got the the black smoke stuff because I was thought, well, yeah, if you just, I, I could see how a load of batteries would just be completely wiped out by that. And mm. if you're completely unprepared for it, it's a kind of weapon you've never seen before. How do you, how do you deal with it? I'd expect it wouldn't be quite as clean as, and then everybody was dead. Um, in terms mm. of the, how de- how everyone was defeated. I'd imagine this if you wanted to, you could, there would be still be pockets of resistance all around the place. But maybe he's just choosing to to discard that in terms of and, and to tell the story he wants to tell. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I do buy the. I do buy the panic. Um, how quickly things descend into panic because I've seen what happens when there's a rumor going around that there's no petrol left at the petrol stations or there's <laughs> no money left in yeah. the cash machines, and everyone just goes mental yeah. straight away. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think people do panic that depressingly that quickly um when yeah. when things yeah. go seriously, seriously wrong. Um so yeah, the brother can't get on this train. Yeah. He's um he does he 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 loots a bike shop. He's I quite like this that um <laughs> he manages to get away because he thinks on his feet quickly. He's like, right, can I get on a train, what can I do next? And he's one of the first people to think, actually I'll just nick a bike and <laughs> make a run for it on that. So he does that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that as well, because you know, you know that I'm I'm just, I'm crying out now for a proper period reproduction of this story, because you know that he's still got, you know, the waistcoat and the the waxed moustache and, you know, the kind (laughs) of perfect, actually there's a line in a little bit, which I flipping loved here, which is basically kind of like, he's still, you know, the very image of the Victorian upper middle class. Um, Yeah. But he's still, immediately, when things get real, he's like, well, I'm stealing something, obviously. And I wonder I wonder whether that was an accurate reflection on Wells' own view of the sort of, you know, the gentry of the late Victorian period, whether he was like, you're all as bad as these people that pronounce a bat containing nine A's and an H. Same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then he, so he uses this bite to escape London. So he gets ahead of, basically, the refugee crowd, and he gets as far as Edgware, which at this time is a village outside London, rather than just sort of a suburb. Can, and, can um, you imagine? Um, Not even a suburb, it's an herb.
0: Edgware is a flipping <laughs> herb of London, there's nothing sub about it. It's a walk from very busy
1: places. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but he's, he's amazed at just how normal things are here, so everything's going crazy in London as people are desperate to get out. And then Edgware, everyone's just sort of... You sort of just it's at the stage where they're just hearing the rumors still. (laughs) They're just they're just chilling, Matt. They're just living that edgeware life. (laughs) They're living the best life, yeah. Soon they're (laughs) about to get a rude awakening. (laughs) But, um, but I I thought this was interesting that because he's on because he's on a bike, so he's moving a bit quicker than the rest of everybody else, he can get ahead of it, and that is a massive it's a massive help for him, isn't it? Because he avoids that big crush of people at the start, yeah. Um, he sees this woman, um oh well these two women in a horse and cart getting attacked um by these three men and he runs over and it I I this was proper sort of Marcus of Queensbury rules, like he puts it the is, puts it? the fists up and um <laughs> he has this fight. He he grabs he's very, he's, he, he's very brave, he punches one guy, um, grabs the second who then sort of runs or starts to run away. Um, he gets hit in the face with the whip from the woman because she's just sort of panicking and, and making her, <laughs> trying to get away um <laughs> and then he punches the third guy <laughs> and then and then the carriage starts like 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 racing off so he starts running after it and like the one of the one of the attackers starts running after him and it just I just heard the Benny Hill music then. It's just like <laughs> so they like they stop and then there's this, this like procession of people running after each other. It just seems weirdly darkly comical.
0: I thought you're right. I, I, I think that was a, it was a great scene for that. Um and I did like as well that the first punch he throws, he goes, realising from his, his antagonist's demeanour that he was to be attacked, he wasted no time. And punched him in the face. And then there's another line where he goes, realising this was no time for fair play, he also kicked him in the... What was it? Kicked him in the head? Or, like, kicked him in the stomach when he was down or something. Like, it it goes from sort of, come on then, have at you, to fucking have it, you slag. Like, absolutely going for him, sort of gangland style. (laughs) What? Uh, All right.
1: Yeah. He's not to be messed with, this guy, is he? Yeah. so he's so he's he's running so he's running after the carriage while well, the guy's running after him. He falls over. <laughs> it's just weirdly hilarious. Says he falls over and the guy's on him, the other bloke. And then the then the woman come the the woman driving the carriage comes back with a gun. <laughs> <The> gun <laughs> fires off a shot and nearly blows away the brother. <laughs> 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 it's just brilliant it's and the thing is
0: you don't know this is the thing about that sort of dry humor because there's all sorts of things about this book that remind me of another book written at this time called three men in a boat which is a very different sort of book but is also <laughs> set in this bit of england and it's all very dry comedy and humor and stuff and you miss so much of it because you you're not really there and you don't really know what was normal back then and and it's only now as hearing you describe it back to me that i'm like yeah, this is hilarious. This is, like, grade A slapstick. Um, but, like, reading it, I'm just like, gosh, you nearly shot him. Anyway, moving on. And I, st- I can't work out if, if Wells was trying to be funny or if he was just funny by mistake, and I don't know which of those is more admirable, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose he got it right if, as you were reading it, you were thinking, oh, it's, it's dramatic, um, rather than hilarious. <laughs> but, but I've just got a bit of a strange sense of humour anyway as well. But, um... So, <laughs> so the, the 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 appearance of this gun um is is quite enough for the would-be robbers and they make a run for it yeah. so um it's basically there's, there's this um this lady called uh Mrs. what's she called Mrs. Oliphant. Um, no, Mrs. Elphinstone. Elfinstone, that's it, yeah. Mrs. Elfinstone. branch? Um,
0: Where did that come from? Is that <laughs> is she
1: from 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 the Shropshire olive
0: branches? The uh <laughs> The olive branch of the branch family rather than the branch
1: fan, branch, branch of the olive family. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so she's called what? Elphinstone. And, um God, <laughs> so, that was so... a lot
0: fucking funnier than that.
1: <laughs> 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 Sorry, Kerry. <on. laughs> so her, um, uh, she's got a doctor husband who she's lost, um, as in she doesn't know where he is, he's not assuming he's dead. And um, like the doctor's sisters there as well and and she seems to be a bit more handy than uh mrs elphinstone um <laughs> and so so they they sort of all fall in together and spend a night on the road um and the sort of the plan is to sort of go get out of the country they're gonna they're gonna try and get to the coast and and leave now yeah um and uh again, this sort of there's, I think they come across a, a, a really crowded road now, and there's, again, this in, impression of the people being as almost as frightening as the Martians now. Yeah. Um, and they get sort of caught up in this massive crowd of refugees. Um yeah. Which is really horrible. There's really like some really horrible descriptions here. There's like a child cowering under a hedge that doesn't want to go any further. Um yeah. Various people have died. There's, there's a bit, a little bit later on, along here as well, where um a guy sort of is carrying this handbag full of gold and he drops some of it and he tries to pick it up and he gets run over by a carriage and his back broken and um, yeah. and he's and then they, they sort of they can't help him and he and, he's, and he dies uh yeah what did you make of this part i mean
0: brilliant again I, I i feel the writers or the many many writers of world war Z, owe these people quite a lot of money i think because again this sort of like casual swinging camera calamity you know this emerging uh social breakdown that's all taken in in the book in almost in one shot um is i just incredibly powerful really really great stuff and i think for some reason i can't think of another book in this sort of genre in this sort of area that has had this kind of impact on me and i think it is that kind of po-faced british thing alongside this very kind of -of matter-of-fact description of these horrific doings and occurrences um it was it was great the other thing that i noticed in this bit was the conversation that the brother has with the the elphinstone family the olive branch family is um (laughs) is that they're like they have this conversation like where are you going you know like you know oh well, you know my doctor husband said he was going to catch us up all this sort of thing but then he says there's like this pause and almost a significant glance and somebody and, and one of them goes I've got money and the other one goes so have I and it's like a sort of I mean I don't know if, if HG Wells did this deliberately he was so far ahead of his time that he deserved every single award that was coming to him But it's like making explicit the implicit passwords in use at that time where, and we talked about this in the first one, isn't it? Where if somebody turns up in sort of a gentleman's dress, then they'll be listened to and believed. But if they aren't, then they won't be. And like money, like the overt possession of money is your password to being taken seriously as a person and being looked after and so on. And... and. I mean, I don't know if this was supposed to be like a, just a realistic discussion that you can imagine happening or if this was like really darkly satirical. But I tell you what, a satire, it hits mm. a fucking punch. And if I ever make an apocalypse movie, it will have an interaction in it where two characters, you not what well, in my film, it would be two characters you're not supposed to like very much, but it, like basically refuse to help anybody else, but will help each other because they're wealthy. And that really powerful exchange, and also quite like, it made me laugh bitterly. I think it got, it got a, a bitter laugh out of me when I read it. It was brilliant. Yeah,
1: yeah. And to a similar extent, I, the bit that struck me in this part was um, there's a bit where this guy is sort of carried off on a stretcher, and yeah. um, and the guy said, and the the brother says, you know, Who, who's who's this? And they say oh, it's it's Lord whatever, and he's like, oh, Lord. What's what what's his face? The the Chief Justice? And it's like yeah. the shock horror. Oh, look, not not him, you know. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, everybody else is <laughs> he like He was wealthy
0: and titled. <laughs> he mattered.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of it it's described in the I think it 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 felt to me like it was written in a way that the the author expected you to read that and go, Oh no, not the Chief Justice as well. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It is though, isn't it? It's yeah. it's definitely written in that way where it's like kind of you know here's this really important you know it's it's the it's as if he'd set up you know a, a little girl earlier on in the scene and then you see her getting killed you'd feel that a little bit more you know what I mean yeah. but in this case it's it's a, a very wealthy and entitled member of the aristocracy you're supposed to be like gosh not he was the best of us for some reason <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so just that that really again that that gave me a, a real feel of just how sort of things have changed maybe they'd do that maybe instead of that guy if it was written these days it'd just be some sort of celeb like oh no not bex (laughs) 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 not kanye surely no don't say it ain't so
0: (laughs) what what four of
1: the kardashians
0: how should i carry on
1: (laughs) yeah um so yeah so so this 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 sort of uh massive people continue to move up the road they then the group want to turn like these three want to turn right effectively onto a smaller road and that mm. is sort of some massive like half hour scramble because yeah. you just can't get across this massive move like, that massive flow of people and i've kind of experienced this in in a much obviously To a much less extent. I mean, you go to like football matches, and there's a big crowd of people going towards the ground. If you're trying to go in a different direction, across, it is really hard. Yeah, and and that and that's when people aren't panicking. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah. well, and and you're not driving a horse and cart either.
0: (laughs) Although, Matt, if you were to turn up to the next football match you go to, driving a horse and cart and try to ride it the wrong way against a crowd of a crowd of uh, people. Uh, I would well, I'd, I'd be very impressed, but you would also be a police officer. Uh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they spend yeah. the next night on, on a smaller road, and it's uh, yeah, they 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 now get sort of feeling feeling the hunger because they're not eating for a bit, and they're tired, but they're too afraid to sleep, as much because again, it felt as there is as much afraid of seeing a like a Martian come over the hill or seeing another group of people turn up who want to rob them.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, which moves us on to the uh, final chapter for today, which is called The Thunder Child." Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Did, was I alone in, in turning
0: over the page, reading that and going, it, is this... Are we uh, falling into a time machine into the mid-'70s? Because Thunderchild sounds like a sort of ill ill-conceived acoustic album by spinal tap
1: do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) i i think it's um and if if there isn't one there should i i I want to know why there isn't there's got to be a metal band named thunder child especially because there's um on the soundtrack which you'll which we'll do at the end um this song is like just the most outrageous sort of like guitar stadium (laughs) like metal (laughs) like rock song it's not really metal it's like stadium rock song oh (laughs) brilliant I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, he describes it as I like this the uh, the route of civilization and the massacre of mankind. Um, basically, it's a really nice way of succinctly putting. Look, this is pretty much over now. Um, yeah, this is the beginning of the end in terms of the resistance. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, because the... because
0: if Surrey has fallen, what can stand? <laughs>
1: Yeah, apparently we get a little bit about the what's going on more broadly with the government as well. So the Martians have now sort of gone right into central London, snapping up that expensive property. Um, so about half the government has reformed in Birmingham, and they're. Um, and, <laughs> hey, and, what, what did I tell you?
0: You were giving it all of this Manchester's fantastic Birmingham shite. And where, 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 Matt, where does the government reconvene itself, Hey, eh? <laughs> well, My manor, mate. Th- <laughs> my
1: manor down the road. Don't speak too soon, because the next thing they decided to do is mine the Midlands, so they're going to lay <laughs> landmines all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> assuredly, because they we thought, well, if we're going to have to landmine anywhere, they will do it <here. laughs> <laughs> I noticed a
0: little bit later on that they've taken they've taken bread away from the north that they were like there's a sign yeah. up saying yeah don't worry about it there's loads of flour in the north we'll bake bread and bring it down here for use they don't need it
1: <laughs> well the thing the thing is with that there's, um, he says there's rumours of all this bread coming from the north and then a few lines later, he says, but we never hear anything else. It sort of never materialises. And I just imagine them saying, yeah, we're going to send all the bread down from the north. And then they go to the north and say, right, we want all your bread. And it's like, fuck off. We keep it, our bread. We need it. We want to eat it. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. But it.
0: In the history of everything in England, people who need bread telling other people with guns that they can't take their bread away have not tended to succeed. Particularly when yeah, the people with the guns yeah. also have titles and
1: large country <laughs> houses in Surrey. Yeah, maybe the people with the guns just ate their bread then. Something happened to this bread. We never find out. Um, so I, d- oh, I don't want true. you waiting that's until true. the end of the book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the c- cylinders are continuing to fall. So the, uh, the brother gets to the, um, the coast and um there's this massive sort of uh boats and ships um all sort of milling around apparently once the uh the martians make it to london all the all the sort of boats and and uh sailors that were making a fortune ferrying people across the river have now come out to the coast um to continue <laughs> to make a killing of misery <laughs> Um, I'd imagine some of them are altruistic. Some of them just want to help, but I get the feeling there are more than one or two who think they're going to make an absolute fortune out of this.
0: I know. Well, it was um, a bit. I I don't know about you, but this bit was did feel a little bit like a sort of marketised Dunkirk. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Dunkirk is this moment of extraordinary pride in, in British history. All these people setting off, sailing, you know, in boats that really aren't open, uh, you know, up to the open seas, on the open seas to rescue 300,000 people. Amazing miracle. And this is that, um, but it will cost you a tenner. And uh, there's something (laughs) about that that does feel a little bit more Victorian English, I have to say, (laughs) like a little bit more. You've got the money, then we're here for you. Yes, national pride, absolutely, to a (laughs) T.
1: Yeah. So um so they the three managed to buy the way onto this steamer. Um I love the fact that um Mrs Elphinstone um is so against going to France that she basically says I'd rather take my chances with the Martians than the French. <laughs> <laughs> that that was my
0: second favorite line in the in this section of the thing. Like cuz she basically sees them as the same. And I find that both well first of all i think everybody can admit that's a fundamental part of what a lot of english people are like right if i haven't seen it before the age of 12 it's foreign and therefore not to be trusted and and so everything just falls into that category um but i do also sort of love the fact that this was true a hundred and some years ago i love the fact i'm heartbroken by the fact but there's just something like you know it's not far away france it's not difficult to get to You know, like, and yet for, uh, you know, recordably for a couple of hundred years, you know, it's been a perfectly... Um, is perfectly reasonable and kind of predictable attitude to have that, all oh, those foreigners are not to be trusted at all. And I, I really love how well-established it is that H.E. Wells doesn't even really bother to write what she says. He just kind of says, uh, she was saying that, you know, the French were basically the same as the aliens and so forth, as if to say <laughs> everybody reading this knows exactly the argument that she was forwarding, and I can't be bothered wasting ink recapitulating to it. It would be like saying we walked outside, the sky was blue, the clouds were white, the breeze moved. It's just all absolutely self evident the argument that she was making. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. We've been like this for a while then, have we? Great. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> so there's this um so there's this massive shipping all sort of um in, in a low state of panic milling around trying to get people off the coast and, and and out of the sort of out of the bay out of the estuary. And um about a mile or two further out, there's just this describes this sort of hulking presence of this massive ironclad called thunder child and this an ironclad's basically yeah. sort of a and and you know shipping enthusiasts will be shouting at the uh um, i mean no, but it's sort of a basically a an early version of a battleship just to give you a rough idea it's sort of it's sort of the yeah. bridge between sort of wooden ships and and, and the, the big sort of metal battleships you imagine um in the first yeah. world war yeah um yeah. so it's basically the, the the height of technology at this time and it's just this hulking great presence a couple of miles off just sitting there looking like a badass um the the ships start moving yeah. off to 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 leave and this is when the martians appear and they're basically these the the, the the tripods basically stride across the land and out into the sea to block the the exit um so yeah. you've got the the brother on this ste- the, the three of them on this steamer as it's heading out, and they're just heading straight for the margins yeah. now, and the, everyone's everyone's thinking, yeah. oh shit, what we're we gonna do, and I love this this sort of. There's just this massive whoosh of spray um as this as this ironclad just goes charging past it towards them. It's just amazing.
0: Her, Her Majesty's steam shit, ah, fuck it. I just love it. It's brilliant. <laughs>
1: <Da-da-da-da>! <laughs> That's great. And um it's funny because in the um it's described slightly differently in the uh in the soundtrack when um it basically it's described as having like the there's the uh the ironclads in between, the, obviously, the ships and the Martians, and then it sort of slowly moves towards land and then turns and with sort of a, a whoosh of spray and just like a scream of engines just charges towards the, uh, towards the waiting Martians. And it just felt like it's literally that. We've done it a few times, but it's the ship version of like just taking like one last drag of the cigarette and saying <laughs> something like, you know, and I was hoping this was going to be a quiet day. <laughs> Just <No. doing> it. <laughs> but an entire ship doing that <laughs> yeah you're right that's great <laughs> but yeah um so this yeah so, so this um this uh yeah this line cloud charges towards the the martians um actually in the is there's, there's a line i thought it was taken right out of the book but it isn't um but in the the soundtrack it's a really probably the best line from the whole thing that, that they did on the cd and it's um it's described as um I think it's uh cutting swiftly through the water, cannons blazing as she came, brought a mighty metal warlord crashing down in sheets of flame. And it's like, Oh, yeah, here oh. we go, come on! And that's you- <laughs> that
0: that's the sort of line you only got in 70s prog albums. That was brilliant, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And you're thinking, but it's this is um, this is the moment I think we think, Well, this is our last chance, this is sort of the best thing we've got, let's see what it can do. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it, it the the Martians sort of <laughs> it's quite well described in the book. how the Martian, the, the uh, H.G. Wells says the Martians are I assume were just sort of perplexed by what this thing was at first. They just don't do anything because they're so surprised that something's attacking it. Um, and then they release the black smoke, and it just sort of cuts through that because it's moving too quickly for it to be any effective. Um, the the guns fire in it, and and they sort of one Martian's destroyed. And then I think it gets hit with the heat ray once and yeah. still keeps going. And then takes out yeah. takes out a second one, just going sort of headlong into it. And then yeah. everything's obscured by smoke. And when the smoke clears, you can't see anything anymore. So yeah. presumably the, the ironclad's gone down, but it's taken the last, last one with it as well. Yeah. And that seems like
0: a weird place to me to end a section when the next section is the earth under the martians you might as well call the next section it didn't matter a slightest tiniest little
1: bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because this sort of crazed charge it does it saves the shipping because the, the, the rest of the ships can sort of get away as the as this sort of as this battle is taking place um mm. but the, yeah the, there's a few other ironclads just further out at the sea and they sort of turn and leave after watching this i assume thinking oh well we don't want any of that. And um we've yeah. heard about crews mutinying before. But um yeah. yeah, it just feels like this is the sort of the last um great sort of active resistance, um, which does at least save quite a few lives. But yeah, yeah. Um quite I really enjoyed reading it, it was really a dramatic moment.
0: Yeah, oh, fantastic, really great. Again, great action scene. It's got mm. a future, this Wells kid.
1: Mm. <laughs> Yeah. So the the um, and the final the final little bit of this is as the steam is leaving, the they see something big sort of shoot up into the night sky, um, and there's no. It's not clear what that is, and I'll be yeah. honest, I've, I've no idea what that is either. So <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> in read find the book out. and listened to the musical multiple times, oh, I'd I don't think it, that. I don't think it happens in the musical. So.
0: Mm, oh well that's a shame then because that means it can't be terribly fundamental to the plot although i do even if it's just sort of gothic window dressing i do quite like the you know this kind of like something shot up from the earth we have no idea what it was end Mm. of chapter like you do that too much i'll get frustrated but actually it introduces a really great little note of mystery and i appreciate that
1: yeah and there we are there we leave it for for this week dave thoughts on all of that
0: Oh, it's it's got everything, Matt. It's as we say, it's got drama, it's got social commentary, it's got naval combat, it's got <laughs> Sizzling gypsies. It hasn't got sizzling gypsies. Um it's got everything else though. It's great. Like uh, um yeah, really good. As I say I my one misgiving is I think you could have made more out of the fight for Earth. Um Yeah which and clearly that's not the story that he wants to tell which is weird because the book is called the war of the worlds and he seems to be quite quite keen to get past the actual combat bit of the war but um but there's plenty of stuff in this that convinces me that where we're going next is going to be well worth it i'm looking
1: forward to it a lot yeah that's really really good point actually a lot of the uh, yeah. There's not much of the war in the. There's a lot of build-up and then there's a lot of aftermath, yeah. but there's not a great deal of war. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, uh, this has been it, and it's basically the, the you know the panicky public response to the War of the Worlds, yeah. in so far as it can accurately be described as a war because it actually lasted for a couple of days tops, mm. um, and mostly consisted of either construction of weapons or hasty on the hoof reconstruction of weapons (laughs) um you know that's that was it basically and again i think wells knows the story that he wants to tell and i suppose the 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 long dramatic aftermath of the war of the worlds didn't go over quite so well with the publishers as a title
1: but it's still a bit (laughs) odd (laughs) yeah yeah the build-up and subsequent aftermath of the Martian invasion. War of the Worlds: a number of things that happened
0: immediately adjacent to the very brief War of the Worlds.
1: <laughs> so um, next week we're reading from uh, book, the start of book two, The Earth under the Martians, as far as a chapter called The Man on Putney Hill. Um, again, we're not going to be leaving. <laughs> we're not going to be leaving <laughs> London and its immediate area. <laughs> Just if, if there's a chapter later on this book
0: called. You know, the view from Toronto or something. I'm going to be so impressed (laughs) just zooming (laughs) out the lens. But no, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the view from Greenwich or, you know, (laughs) news finally reaches Manchester or something.
1: (laughs) So, The Man on Putney Hill is uh, chapter seven of book two. So, read as far as there for next week. Of course, as we said at the start, if you want to get in touch, Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at com. We're also on Twitter at sharkliveroil.com. Don't forget to get your reviews in because in a couple of weeks' time we'll be doing uh, those reviews of the book, which is always a, a good laugh as well. So, till next time, uh, have a good week. Enjoy Cheers. the enjoy the aftermath of the uh, Martian invasion, and we will uh, discuss next time. <laughs> bye Bye. Lovely stuff.